This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to Nirvana Sisters Podcast, where we take the intimidation out of well-being and beauty to help you achieve your highest state, your nirvana. We are sisters-in-law and your hosts. I'm Amy Sherman. And I'm Katie Chandler. So let's get into some real conversation. Welcome to this week's episode of Nirvana Sisters. This was a fun one. I get to catch up with Carla Martinez de Salas, who is the head of editorial content at Vogue Mexico and Latin America. And I realized as I was editing this in the beginning of the show, I didn't mention that she was with Vogue, which I thought was an important note. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the show, Nirvana Sisters family. It's Amy and Katie, and we're here with Carla Martinez de Salas. Did I say that right, Carla? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And Carla is the head of editorial content for Mexico and Latin America. So excited to speak with you, Carla. So Carla and I know each other from back in the day. We went to college together at U of A, go Wildcats, and we probably haven't seen each other in, I don't know, 20, 25 years. Probably, <laughs> we were just saying before we started recording that last time we saw each other was probably when we were both living in New York in, in, in the street, like hustling around. But um, it's so good that she's here to talk to us about her fabulous, incredible, um, amazing journey in the fashion industry. So a little bit about Carla. As I said, she went to U of A with me. We are actually in the same sorority and she was my little sister. So I just had to call that out. So I feel that I did a very good job raising you. Um, (laughs) So Carla started her career as an assistant at Vogue US. um, And then in 2002, became an associate fashion editor from 2005 to 2010. She was fashion director for T Magazine of New York Times. Then she later took the fashion direction of Interview Magazine, then went to be the fashion and accessories director of W Magazine in 2011. And then in 2015, Carla moved to Mexico City with her family, where she started working as a freelance in, I'm going to say this wrong, but you can you can correct me, Carla, Cooperativa Shop, um, an online store that specializes in ready-made pieces by Latin designers, which is so cool. And then she became the editor-in-chief for Vogue Mexico and Latin America in June 2016, and since then has continued with the exclusive editorial line of the title. So she has been in charge of Vogue Mexico and Latin America. She's been interviewed many times by major publications and been on TV, very notable appearances across the board. She was recently included in the B of F US list, so that's Business of Fashion US list of the 500 international fashion leaders. And since then, you've been in charge of the magazine's management. So Vogue Mexico and Latin America was also awarded the best editorial content for Mexico's Fashion Digital Awards. Congratulations on that. And you also are part of Project Paz, a nonprofit organization with headquarters in New York, which has the goal of creating extracurricular activities for low-income children in Ciudad Juarez in order to promote peace. So that is just a quick little snippet of her incredible accomplishments, but there's so much more. And thank you for coming on the show, Carla. We've been chatting for months, trying to get her on. So we're so glad that you're <laughs> able to join us and i super inspired by you and all that you've been doing. So welcome. Thank you, Amy and Katie for having me. I know it's so, I can't believe it. you did do a very good job. Um, 
as my big sister at A5. I always <laughs> I always say that that kind of whole sorority rush process was the like prepared you for job interviews in a way. Um and kind of got you ready for the real world in in that like, you know, you just graduated from high school. Um you at least at Arizona it was such a huge school and so difficult to navigate that you kind of wanted to have like a little community where you could go to and yeah and a home base and um yeah and I just remember you Carla you were always so chic even back then always put together always looked good I remember you being super into fashion then so I love that you've followed your your passion and love for fashion and all things luxe um, I know I was looking at a picture of um, a college trip that I took to Paris and I remember having like a camel coat and <laughs> I feel like I would wear that in Tucson and people would be like, what are you wearing? I like, feel like I remember that coat now that you're saying it. I'm not even kidding you. <laughs> like when we all, and then a lot of, I mean, uh, you guys were at least a lot more from like, you know, from the East coast. Like I grew up in El Paso, which is certainly like, I think it was like a step below Tucson in terms of fashion. So um, I don't know. I think it's funny because I always tell people that like, I kind of got like my education from magazines in general. And like, you know, my mom liked kind of more tabloid magazines and like what Princess Caroline was wearing of Monaco or something, but, but she wasn't into like the big, like she always liked reading that hello or like hola, um, which, um, but, you know, I feel like really, really like helped me grow up in that way. You know, um, certainly El Paso was not somewhere where you, where I learned about high fashion by any means. Well, you certainly have had the education since then. So Carla, I want to start out with, um, something we call our weekly Nirvana or Nirvana of the week, where we just talk about something that brought us joy this week, something that just sparked a little joy and, Put a little smile on our face because we always want to make sure we're looking at all the all the good things that are happening. So I can start, or actually I'll flip it to you, Katie. Why don't you start? All right. Well, thank you, Amy and Carla. It's so great to meet you. We're really thrilled that you're here. I, I mean, this is a big deal, Vogue. Like I, I feel very honored <laughs> yeah. to have you. She's like, Super excited. Total boss. It's huge. So um, let's see. My weekly Nirvana. It happened on Saturday. I had um, a lymphatic drainage massage and a, and Reiki done at the same time, and it was really kind of amazing. It was a whole experience. The whole thing lasted four hours, oh my God. which was oh, unexpected. Wow. Yeah. It was, it was kind of wild. Like there was, there was the, the, the pre session of like talking with the energy healer. And then she did some spiritual healing. Um, I don't know the terms for it, but these, I turned clockwise a few times, <laughs> like all of these really wild things, but it was very relaxing and calming. And then we did the lymphatic drainage and the Reiki massage. And it was cool. I mean, I definitely felt, I understand now the feeling of Reiki. I don't know if, if I know, Amy, you haven't had it. Carla, have you have ever it. had Reiki done? No, I haven't. And, yeah. and I love um, people here have been talking a lot about something called cap. That oh, I know we haven't heard of this. Heard of that. Kind of like, uh, like a Kundalini, Kundalini kind of yoga process, but where the teacher kind of guides you with like energy and like touch. Ooh, that's exciting. I'll have to send it to you. I haven't done it yet. Yeah, send it over. We just yeah. um we interviewed um Athena Bari, her episode 
um, launched a couple of weeks ago and she's a Reiki master and just wrote a book. So we were learning all about it through her, but neither of us has done it. So Katie, you'll have to fill us in more about that. That's super cool. Yeah, it was great. It was, it was an experience for sure. So what about you, Amy? What was your Nirvana? Um, well, this is kind of silly, but it did bring me joy. So I'm traveling later this week for business and I haven't traveled in so long, obviously we've all been locked down. Mm. So it's nice to finally go on a trip, but I'm going on a longer trip than usual. And I always get super stressed before I travel. I just feel like there's so many details to take care of. I'm sure Carly, you can relate, but anyway, I packed early, which I never do. I packed (laughs) Sunday morning and I'm leaving Wednesday. Oh, wow. I'm always last minute. Katie knows I'm like throwing things together. I'm stressed. I'm crazy. And I was like, I need to like think through because I have a lot of events and different things and looks. And I'm like, I need to think through this. I need to try on clothes. I need to like be strategic in my packing, which I never am. And so I did it Sunday morning and like, I just have a couple more things to do, but I was like, so happy afterwards and so relieved. And I'm like, okay, so now the night before I leave, I'm not like a crazy person running around the house. So that was my Nirvana of the week. What about you, Carla? I, well, we had the day off today. Um, So I went to, um, I always, I feel like I do yoga once, twice a week, but usually I have to run out early because I'm stressed and there's like a million things going on. Um, You know, like you have to be ready by nine to get to work. And today I did like the whole hour and a half class. And, um, you know, there's like so many things in yoga that you're working through. And it's funny, I was doing the um, pincha pose, you know, the kind of forearm stand Mm -hmm. and I hadn't fallen and I know how to fall. You know, you fall like kind of in a back bend and I felt totally fine. And like when I left the class, like I was so, I was so happy that like I was able to fall and not be scared if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, And it was just nice. Like the kind of whole energy in the class was like, there were like five women it was taught by like one of my favorite teachers. So I feel like that, you know, when you find that kind of like nirvana in your like exercise or kind of in yoga, I find it always to be really nice. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I completely agree with you on that. I enjoy really going to like small private studios as well. And I haven't been able to find one here. I just moved to Connecticut recently. I haven't found one yet that like really speaks to me, like the one I had where I used to live. And it's, it, it's true. Like the, the setting and the people and it all kind of, it, yeah, it's important. And also like, I feel like just during COVID, like I was doing it online at my house and in certain ways, like I was doing things better, but then you kind of miss that energy of like other people. And like, obviously when it's like friendly and there's no stress, right. I feel like it, and, and when you can't find that it's frustrating. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Completely and it's nice that someone there guiding you. So, you know, you're doing everything right. Um, well, that's great. That's so nice. Okay. So we're going to get into some like quick fire questions and then we'll get into some, some topics we want to chat on with you. So tell us a little bit, I mean, I gave your intro, but tell us a little bit about what you're doing now, Vogue and like, and also kind of your personal mentors, like how you've gotten to where you've gotten so successfully and kind of like who's inspired you and who you use as like your kind of personal board of directors, I like to say. Um, well, I feel like, God, um, I feel like like that community at Arizona was such like a great place. And like, I remember everyone kind of doing internships in the summer and like really pushing to like, what are you going to do after you graduate? So um, I, I guess I lived in New York for 15 to 16 years. And, you know, when the opportunity came to move to Mexico, it was my husband grew up in Mexico City. 
Um, it's just funny. His mom is actually from Connecticut, but she moved <laughs> as a young girl to Mexico city. And, and he, you know, was like, listen, like, I want this to be like a totally mutual decision. And, and obviously I was super scared. I had like never actually lived in Mexico, which is funny. Cause you know, I've been coming to Mexico my whole life with my family and my parents were from Mexico and moved to the U S when, you know, before my siblings and I were born And um, once we came, you know, we came for his job. And then in the end, I got this opportunity, which I don't know if I would would have gotten in New York or certainly it would have taken longer, I think. Um, But I think, you know, I always had I don't know if, if you guys feel the same way, but I always had that. And I don't know if it's just New York also is like you're surrounded by like amazing women that that kind of have it all right. Like they have families and yes, obviously no one does it perfectly. And, and I don't think that there is an idea of the perfect mom. Right. And, and all of them were just like, so inspiring to me at all these places that I worked. I mean, I was an assistant at Vogue us and um, you know, obviously I didn't have a lot of contact with Anna Wintour then, but now I do. And, you know, I feel like that it's, it's so like exciting Um, It was really exciting to have grown up there, sort of say, you know, for that to be my first job, because I really feel like it was a master's and um, all the women that worked there, like Virginia Smith, who's still there, you know, she had she had a child and they were also like hardworking. And um, then I worked at The New York Times, which is amazing and like a really kind of it was that idea of like what we like, what is everywhere now, which is lifestyle, Mm-hmm. Um, which when I feel like when you, when we graduated, it was like fashion, right. And now mm-hmm. was lifestyle is like home and travel. And, um, you know, I worked for a woman named Ann Christensen, who also was an amazing role model because she was kind and, you know, she had a child and, um, you know, we, we, it's just like, you saw all those like struggles and like, I kind of, you know, saw these women that like, some of them had a hard, hard time getting pregnant, but like, they kind of, you know, made it happen and they were really great at their jobs and they were also like great entertainers and friends. Um, so I feel like those, um, women that I, that I had, like that I worked for were, were, were people that like, I really looked up to and admired and really helped me kind of pave my way and find my voice. And then, um, then I went to go work at W and that was the last job that I took before I moved to, to Mexico. And, you know, I feel like along the way I had like really amazing peers like Ricky DeSole, who's now the fashion director at Nordstrom. And we were all kind of just trying to find our voice. I feel like one of my best friends from growing up who went to UT Austin, um, her name is Audrey Ponzio, was kind of like, God, you know, you're one of the few Latinas in, in fashion. And I didn't even realize it at the time. I, you know, mm-hmm. I always... I never wanted to, you know, be, um, I never wanted to say like, I'm Latina, I deserve this job. I just, it just kind of happened. And I always had like really positive experiences, but I did, one of the things I did notice, like, you know, working at these different places was that, yeah, I was most of the time, one of the few Latinas in the room and that, you know, it's when we talk about like diversity and inclusion in like media, you have to talk about it like in the workplace. Right. And like what that means. And um, and I, I feel like all of those experiences really prepared me 
to kind of moving then to Mexico where, you know, the I mean, people here like to say that, that there's no racism here. There's like classism, which is kind of the same thing in a way. And, you know, the son of like your housekeeper would never get a job at a, at, you know, Condé Nast. Whereas in the U S like those opportunities, like you can be, you can be any, anyone can be anything they want. And so that was something that always like stuck with, like, I, I always had it very present. And so I knew that I wanted to make the magazine more representative of what people are really like here. So that's, that was, I feel like my whole journey in New York, just like being in fashion and then kind of learning that fashion is not just clothes, that it's so Mm -hmm. much um, really helped me to kind of bring everything that I knew to Vogue Mexico and Latin America, if that makes sense. That was, that was. No, I love that. That's, that's, um, I, I was wondering, do you know now if, um, you know, in the States, W and Vogue and everything U.S., is it, has it become more inclusive? Is there, is there more diversity? Is it, did you kind of break the glass ceiling there? I think so. I mean, I remember, you know, when I started working, um, in New York, like literally I was like, God, how did, you know, I remember one of my, my first boss, at Vogue was like, oh, you know, here's your resume that like Anna signed off on. And it said like, A-W-O-K, no. And I was like, oh my God, how did I slip in? You know, like everyone here is like tall, blonde, you know, an heiress, a child of a model or a model, you know? And (laughs) it's not something that ever like bothered me. Like I always knew that um, I was super hardworking and I loved fashion and, and I really wanted to be a part of this world. So it's not something that ever, I'm sure it created like insecurities that I didn't know at the time, but I never had like any, like I, my experience was only positive, but I think it's also because I was also like a really hard worker and I was up for anything and, you know, and that's what it took. Like, I feel like that in that school, in particular, like if you weren't willing to put the time in, then it wasn't the place for you to work. Cause yes, maybe your dad called someone to kind of help you get an interview and you got the job. But like, if you weren't willing to like work a 12 hour day, like you wouldn't make it. You're out. Um, How did you get that first role as an assistant? Because were you interning or something like, cause the, the breakthrough role, I would think to your point, it's like you send a resume in and like, Everybody else does too. Like, how does that happen? Yeah. So it's funny because I actually, I remember like my sophomore year in college, um, a friend of mine was like, oh, I'm going to go intern at Nicole Miller. My mom got me this internship and I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? My dad's a doctor in El Paso. Like I'm going to go back and like file, um, you know, folders all summer. And (laughs) I started calling like um, different fashion houses from W that I saw in like W magazine. And someone by like the good grace of God, like picked up the phone and was like, where are you from? And I was like, I, well, I'm from El Paso, but I go to school in Tucson. She goes, I'm from Tucson. (gasps) Oh my God. Can you fly up here? And I was like, of course, like, when do you need to see me? And I remember calling my mom and being like, I'm going to New York. And, you know, it wasn't like, I mean, you know, it wasn't like going like, or maybe it is now. I mean, I don't know, but like I was 19 and here I was like going to fly across the country to go to an interview. 
And my mom like called a friend of hers, her daughter, and was like, can my daughter stay on your couch? I mean, literally it was like, that's amazing. Go like Mexican mom, like asking like a friend of a friend, if like I could crash on her sofa. And, um, I remember I stayed at, at my friend's, at my mom's friend's daughter's house and I got the interview. And like, from there, I like was in touch with a woman from um, human resources and she remembered me. And then when I moved to New York, after I moved to Paris for a year, um, I called her and I got the job. So I feel like I always try. And I mean, I feel like we've all had these similar experiences. I always try and like pick up, like answer like that DM on Instagram, right. Mm -hmm. Or like that message on LinkedIn, because that was our, like, that was our kind of way. I mean, we didn't have those tools. And so now I, I, I feel like I always try and like pick up the phone and like give someone not pick up the phone, but return a message. That's great. You're paying it forward. Yeah. And I, it's funny. I, I have a similar um, point of view when it comes to like, when people contact me and things like that, there's a, there's a podcast that I listen to Ed Milet. I don't know if you know who he is. He's like a entrepreneur leader and he has this philosophy and I am probably butchering it, but it's something like, you're always like one step away from. So like the point is, it's like one step away from like reading an email that could change your life or meeting someone or that person picking up the phone. It's like, you never know. And you're always like one step away from something good or bad. So yeah, um, I feel like when we were graduating, it was harder though, because, oh my God. Yeah. Be one step away. I mean, you know, I feel like now, like if people are so accessible that, now. Well, yeah. now everything's accessible. Yeah. There's Instagram, there's LinkedIn, like all these things. Like when I moved to New York, I moved to New York and my friend, Jessica, I remember Jessica from college, like she was working at this ad agency and then get me a job. And it happened to be on a movie account, which I was interested in and like, you know, marketing, blah, 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 went from there. But it was all just kind of like who you knew or like who you called. It was just, you had to be probably a lot more resourceful. I'm sure now you have to kind of stand out more because everyone's doing the same thing, but yeah, you definitely have to be scrappy and resourceful. I mean, Katie moved to New York at when, how old were you, Katie? She moved to New York. I was 19. 19. Yeah. And it was the same, it was kind of the same thing. Like I just got, I kind of got lucky that you know, it was for modeling and this, an agency happened to call my agency and said, sure, we'll move her. And then they ended up being like a horrible agency, but Hey, they got me to New York, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes like the way in which you like arrive, isn't necessarily the way that, you know, but again, it's also much easier to find a job when you have a job. Right. So I would always tell people that, like, if you really want to move to New York, then maybe try something out and you can leave. It's just, you know, getting that foot in, it's easier. Like once you're there, right? Exactly. Exactly. And you work really hard. Okay. So what have you seen? um, Like, have you seen the industry change over the years? You've been a lot of places and like, I'm sure the industry has changed in a positive way, but like, what have you seen as some of the biggest changes over the years? I feel like, um, I really believe like, I, you know, as I was saying, like before, like when I first started working, I was definitely like one of the few like Mexican girls in the room. And that has changed a lot. I feel like, you know, just in terms of like designer, even designers, if you think about it, there was like Carolina Herrera, Oscar Narciso, right. And now you have like Maria Cornejo, um, Willie Chavaria, who is like a Mexican American, now creative director of Calvin Klein. You have like Joanna Ortiz, and from Colombia and like Sylvia Chirasi and like just so many different people that like now make up um, 
you know, the fashion industry and like they're letting, like even like last September when I went to fashion week and it was after an a year and a half break of like COVID and not being able to go to shows. There were so many young, cool, like African-American designers. Like I, I saw a girl from college that was working with this um, young designer from Jamaica called Theoph- Theophilio. I'm pretty sure he's from Jamaica, but just like the front row is, was different. I feel like for a long Mm -hmm. time, like the front row looked exactly the same. And now there's like young, like different kids that like look, that don't, you know, everyone looks different and that's really cool. I mean, I was thinking like, you know, when I worked at Vogue and like Andre Leon Talley that died a few weeks ago, you know, he was really like, I mean, I don't think we even realized at the time what a big deal, like this, you know, very like bold kind of loud African-American man, like how much he paved the way for other, um, for, you know, people of color in general. I mean, the fashion industry, I feel like for a really long time was this very like exclusive um, club. And now mm-hmm. I feel like of skinny, tall people. Yeah. Of like skinny, <laughs> tall people. And now that's really changing and just like the front row also, but also like, I remember like three, two or three years ago, like Prabal Gurung, like had three, two or three plus size models walking down the runway. And I was like, Oh my God, like, this is, this is so beautiful that he's like, so, um, you know, got out of his like space of only skinny models And now I feel like if you don't have like a plus size or like a normal size model, not just like a super thin model on your runway, I feel like it feels uncomfortable, you know, like you you did see more of that body inclusivity as well. Definitely. I feel like that has totally, like, I feel like designers are so much more aware of it and conscious and, you know, five years ago, um, you know, someone like Lizzo probably wouldn't have been on the cover of, of all the magazines. And like, that's, that's really changing. And I feel like, you know, for us, like we put this, this Mexican indigenous woman on the cover that was the star of Roma in 2019. And one of my best friends, like if I can't even be, I mean, I can talk for an hour about the engagement we got from putting this woman on the cover And um, it was like people from around the world, from different indigenous groups were like, this is such a big deal. And I remember the one thing that like really stuck out, like stood out was a friend of mine saying like, thank you so much for putting someone that looks like me on the cover. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's really impactful because yeah, for a long time, there weren't people that looked diverse. Like it was one type of beauty and, and I think the industry and like after also Black Lives Matter last year and, um, you know, I think that hard conversations had had to be had and like that made a lot of change in the industry. Of course, there's like a ton of work to do still, but um, but I, I do feel like the it's changed a lot for the good. Yeah, that's, that's good to hear. You you mentioned Lizzo being on the cover. When do you think the shift from like, I, I mean, there was a point where the fashion magazines, the covers were only models, right? For a long time, I mean, for as I was growing up. And then it's the, the celebrity culture. It's now it's very much focused on celebrities. Do you, when do you, when did that shift happen? I feel like, um, you know, I, I was reading something um, an interview of when I think it was like 99. Like, I think we were just like 
like very early in our very early in our professional careers. I remember like when Vogue stopped putting so many celebrities and like when I started working there in 2001, like it was definitely majority celebrities with the exception of like a Giselle or a Christy Turlington. And I think we're still seeing that, but we're also seeing like, you know, people like female entrepreneurs or like in the case of American Vogue last year that put in in May, I believe, Amanda Gorman. So I feel like there is like you don't have to just be making movies. It's more about like musicians and artists and poets and, you know, different women um, that I feel like inspiring women, right? I feel like it doesn't have to be like that, that model of like only celebrity when the movie comes out is right. Feels like old, you know, of course you want to time your cover to something, to a project that someone's working on, but I feel like it's not like, it's not just that it's like many more types of women, including models, right? Do you feel right. like, right? Yeah. I mean, I think it's so cool to see who's always on the cover and like why, and it has changed so drastically just from like what I've seen over the years, not being like a major um, fashion person, but like just seeing the change and like to Katie's point, Lizzo and all of these people, I mean, it's great. It's just, I love how inclusive it is and how, um, I mean, I think too, that's, that's a change just generally speaking with the luxury industry, like every, uh, all these luxury brands are trying to be more accessible, less so about this, like club you can't get into. It's more of like this inclusive nature because people are now turned off by that. That's like right. old school. It doesn't feel genuine and real. It doesn't like you don't, especially with social media, it's like you, you, you're all part of a community now and exactly. like it can be aspirational, but let people in at this point. I feel um, like before it used to be like, this is what you, we think you should wear, you know? And now it's like, what are we all wearing? Like, how does, you know, how do we feel like, what is the kind of idea behind why we're wearing this kind of denim or, or something? You know, I feel like it's not that, like, it's not the, the, the kind of inaccessible kind of magazine at the top. It's, it's more about like, as you said, like building a community and, and kind of very much friendlier. Yeah. Which is great to see. (laughs) So let's move over a little bit and talk about um, like wellness and beauty. Cause I'm sure you're exposed to all of that with, with your work. So like, what does that look like in Latin America and your region? Like what's important to people there versus here? And what are you seeing are there trends and well-being and all of that? It's interesting because I feel like we kind of, it, it's like, we're so close to, because I look after Mexico and Latin America, which, which is very different, even though we all speak Spanish. Yeah. And, um, you know, Mexico is very like a little bit, like everyone here knows what's going on in the U S. So we kind of follow those, like if soul cycle is really big, then like, in just like in a month or two, it'll become really big here. Right. And like, it's certainly like, that idea of, of wellness and, you know, eating healthy, like walking, you know, moving your body, right. Community exercise, like that, I feel is like a huge shift as well. I feel like people are really, um, you know, excited about also like, where do your beauty products come from? Like how, you know, how can you, um, have less impact, right? Like an environmental impact. And those are things that are all 
um, really developing here. But it's interesting to see, you know, I call it kind of the gateway drug, like perfumes here are, are super big. So that's like your mm. first piece of luxury, right? And mm. then like, obviously like skincare and makeup, whereas in the US, it's more of like the bag is like that intro point. But here, mm-hmm. it's obviously like the salaries are less. So like perfume is is a huge deal. And that was something that I learned, like even in like coverage in the magazine, like we didn't cover perfume as much as in the US as we do here. But here it's like kind of how that designer makes, like gets the foot in the door. Um, but it's really interesting cool. because people are what I've seen is also people really love those niche designers. Like people know about like, you know, Virgil at Off-White and that kind of has a huge cult following that you think is like very like, you know, exclusive to, to like New York or the big cities, but it's not like, like people love like the, the Off-White and like the sneaker craze. Like it's, it's interesting to see, like it kind of happens a little later, but it definitely happens. And what about Latin America? How's that different? Well, Latin America is a bit more like Argentina, for example. Like the thing I see a lot is like they have very established fashion brands because of the, you know, it's far from the U.S. Um, The tariffs to like get into the country aren't so easy. So it's kind of like Brazil in that way that, you know, imported stuff is really expensive. So they really developed their fashion brands, um, which is good, you know, and, and then I, what I've seen the most with like Peru and Chile and like Colombia is that people are really socially conscious. Like they want it to be like organic cotton. They're really like the sustainability conversation, like to start brands is much like you hear it much more, which is like a nice Hmm. surprise. Yeah. And does that carry over into the skincare space and beauty space in terms of yes being organic like and there's so yeah. many more brands now that are trying to do like the glossier or you know of latin america and like mm-hmm. that's been really exciting to watch is like these young kind of entrepreneur like and these young brands like coming into their own how much cool. um, I, I, I might i'm not sure if i'm phrasing it the right way but the spirituality of Mexico and also Latin America, does that play into the wellness space as well? Like, um, cause I know, uh, I have some friends that are um, from Chile and when they go to Chile, they see their shaman and things like that. Like, yes, is, that's is that funny. prominent? It's funny that you ask that because I feel like here, like the kind of alternative medicine is always like, you know, i like even like an example, like my daughter was having these, you know, those night terrors. I don't know. You, mm, I don't know you yeah, sure. Like, and my mom was like, we have to take her to like, we went to my, the small town where my mom was from. And she goes, we have to take her to the healer. And mm-hmm. I was like, what do you mean, mom? And <laughs> like, she took her to the healer and she like rubbed her with an egg. And like, my mom's like in two weeks, she's not going to have nightmares. You know, it's, it's a big part. It's a big part of our, um, and even like, I always like to say that like, alternative medicine, like those kind of essential oils have been happening here for like ever, you know what I mean? Like they didn't make them like essential oils, but, um, even like in terms of like when I was growing up and like coming to Mexico, like, I feel like all the milk was just organic because it just was, you know, like in my mom's town, they like literally took like milk from the cow forever. Um, and then, you know, obviously like NAFTA happened and those things happened and, and, and people, here like love what's American. So it, that 
for better or worse. Right. Um, you know, those things came in, but yes, I, people are here are like very like spiritual in that sense. And they like to, you know, they always want like a, like a second opinion, but that second opinion from like the shaman or the healer. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. That's, that's really beautiful. It's a, a really gorgeous part of the culture that is lacking. I think in America, you know, I wish, I wish there was some more deep rooted culture in that respect. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. Cause I think there are definitely people like us who love all that stuff, but it's not in the culture. Whereas like, if you're talking about Reiki or whatever we were just talking about before people are like, yeah, you know, they sort of look <laughs> at you like, oh, but things like, are, but things slowly there. become more pop culture also, exactly. which is interesting how that can play out. All right. Well, what are some, actually, no, this is, this is an interesting question that I'm very curious about because I feel like your industry comes with a lot of pressure, especially with your job. I mean, your job is incredibly high power and uh, aspirational and inspirational. So what are some of these pressures? You, you must feel pressure with creating content and, and reporting and being the barometer of culture and fashion and beauty and lifestyle. I mean, that that's a lot. What is it like taking that challenge on? I feel like, yeah, I feel like that what, what I was reading, like one of the questions and it's like, all, and we were just talking about how media has changed. I feel like just constantly kind of inspiring people and like at the same time growing our audiences. And you know that like, the challenge of like growing a website, which is now obviously super important. And, you know, we've grown like more than 80% in the past five years, but just that pressure of growing the website, but at the same time, remaining true to, to Vogue and its core values without falling into the trap of like, I have to cover this because this is what's going to bring me my numbers. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that is something that we're always kind of, not it's it's always challenging you know how to you know talk about you know so and so seen with her boyfriend on the street of LA then maybe you change the focus and you're like so and so knows how to wear the best the perfect jeans for you know her type of body is and, and those are things that like we've like managed to do and um now we have like shared content with Vogue across with different Vogues across the world and so we can take like a lot of the more <coughs> investigative pieces um because we also have like a very small team and then we kind of focus on the the articles that will be be like do well in Latin America so with this mm-hmm. kind of 50 50 balance we found like a good mix and like last month we were like the second largest Vogue after the US. So wow, that's exciting. It's also like, you know, how are we going to do next month and and the day after, you know? So it's constantly like looking at what we're doing and saying we're doing this right, but we also don't want to just talk about sneakers and jeans. So like trying to find that balance. I'm curious yeah. how how much um I'm sure you've found this question before. Is it as intense as it is portrayed in the movie? that I don't even need to say the name. Is it that, is it that brutal and tough or not really? I mean, yeah, I think, you know, there's, there's a pressure because also like, I think in the movie and I don't remember if they explain it, but in the end it's, you know, the fashion is is an industry. And so people's jobs depend on it. And, you know, it's not just like 
it's not just a dress, right? It's a dress that a designer made that's going to hit you know, stores around the US and, and or around the world and what that means, right? Like what it, like that sales part. And so I think it's exciting. Um, it was, it was definitely, you know, an, uh, I feel like the industry is very hardworking because people make it out to seem like, oh, you're running around in like a beautiful town car and like, you know, wearing, you know, five inch heels and like running around New York city. It was not certainly not that glamorous. I would, I would say, I would say that, you know, there was a lot of, um, times that we were like doing a carnet for a trip that one of the editors were going on and we were wearing like sneakers and jeans, like writing up every single, you know, all 500 of the pieces that were like in the carnet or, you know, um, but also yeah. just because it's glamorous doesn't mean it's not hard work. I mean, exactly. hard work can be beautiful really hard work. And, you know, I feel like the thing um, about working at Vogue was and, and it's amazing. And like now, um, you know, we're a much smaller team, but like, you know, it it. I like that it was never, it was never just a dress, you know, it was like something that the editor had like a specific vision for. Mm -hmm. And when the shoot came back and you saw, I don't know, like, I remember that Alice in Wonderland shoot that Annie Leibovitz shot with like Natalia Vodianova. It's like her in her blue dress that was made and that, you know, Grace Coddington like really specifically asked for that one. Then you'd be like, this is picture is like, you know, 15 years old and I still remember it. And that's art. Yeah, I think it's really like in that way, like creating like iconic pictures and like telling these stories through fashion that didn't just make it close, right? I think it was it was so much more than that. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So you're so busy and running around and doing a million things. So like what practices are you doing to stay balanced and to stay present with your family um, since you are so busy? And you seemed really balanced Um, for, I don't know. I mean, I feel like now, like ever since, you know, this past year and a half that we learned how to work differently. And like, I feel like, you know, there's no reason why you can't work from home, like on a Friday night, whereas two years ago, I was terrified to even ask that Right. Um, or like, you don't have to go to a work trip where you get flown for a party. Like you can say no. Right. I feel like that those ways, but I just try and like, not kind of put my daughters like in, you know, the kind of, I don't try and like Instagram about them so much. They have like their own account. And like, um, I try not to bring them into mine personally. I mean, just because Mexico is like not, you know, you never know who's watching you. Um, Mm -hmm. and just like, really like what's helped me, which I'm sure you guys can relate to is just that quality versus quantity, right? Like if you, you know, if you're in it, like try and find like activities that you enjoy doing together. And that even though, you know, you might have to travel for five days when you come back, then you have that like bonding time with your kids. I feel like that's always super important. Like bedtime has always been important. And like, you know, I am one of those, I also like, I'm a big believer of like, if my nanny's here and she can help me and like going out for a run, you know, and she helps me with them. Like, it's okay. I don't, you Mm -hmm. know, I can go out for a run because that run will probably bring me mental, you know, help me clear my head. Like I try not to get into that kind of mommy guilt so much. I'm actually, you know, like if you want to go to yoga and you need, and they can stay with their fathers, like playing or watching TV, it's fine. You know, I feel like people get like, so 
kind of worked up about those things. Yeah. yeah and I think too, with like the last year and a half, like that's helped so much with the guilt. Cause I feel like I had it so much and now, you know, you're working from home or if whenever I do go back to the office, it's never going to be the same as it was like, because working from home is so much more accessible and easy now. So just being present, like physically is helpful because you don't feel like, Oh my God, I'm like at the office and I don't know what's happening at home. And I don't, I'm not hearing the conversations. And so I think that's been a huge change for so many I think, people. I think in the beginning it was hard because they were like, I mean, sure you had like homeschool and like, you know, it was impossible to like, you know, make sure that they were connecting, especially because they were four and a half and like for them to pay attention. Yeah, to- your kids are young, yeah. yeah. But I feel like once you learn how to manage it, I feel like that work life balance while yes, I feel like a lot of us are working more. It's still like, now you can say like, I'm going to work two days a week from home. Right. It's on your terms. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We were just speaking to, in an episode that's going to be airing shortly, a parenting coach Mm -hmm. about this. And what you said was exactly either Amy or, 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 or the coach said it was quality versus quantity. And that's like, you know, dedicating the hours to the work and being there instead of micromanaging the children at the same time and vice versa and dedicating the hours to caring for yourself instead, you know, instead of hanging on by a thread, it's so important, but it's, yeah, it's the quality. I love that. And it's a, it's a great quote that we'll be putting on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> So we would be remiss if we didn't ask you who your favorite new designer trends, like what are some of your oh. faves right now? Um, what am I, you know, I really like, it's funny. Cause I feel like you're the way you dress probably changed like drastically. I feel, I mean, even from like New York to Mexico, it changed so much because, you know, in New York, I feel like people wear dresses and skirts and like a pantsuit. And and now I feel like here, like not so much, like I'll be wearing a dress and people will be like, where are you going? I'm like to the (laughs) office, you know? So I feel like that has like really, really changed. And I feel like I'm always like now I was telling Katie before you got on Amy, that the weather in Mexico is funny. And like, it, since it never gets really cold, there's no heat in at home like in your house. So it's like 35 degrees in the morning and then it'll go up to like 72. So you're freezing inside. So it's like kind of like a weird, it's like LA kind of San Francisco layers. And um, so it's a lot about layers and like sweaters, but I really love, I mean, like my dream wardrobe would probably come from like Sarah Burton, Alexander McQueen. I feel like I love what she's doing and I love what she's, um, been doing with denim. I love, um, a Mexican American designer called Jonathan Cohen, um, that, um, grew up in San Diego and now he's based in New York. Um, I love Proenza Schooler. There was actually an article about them today in women's wear or business of fashion. I think about, um, a lot of these like mid price brands and like mm-hmm. what, you know, like American fashion and, and what's happening with American fashion. And yeah, I was, uh, it, I think it's really interesting. And it'll be really interesting um, to see this fashion with like how many more designers um, we see, but yeah, I like, um, I would say like Proenza, Jonathan, I was saying this guy, Willie Chavaria, that's at Calvin Klein, he's doing menswear and he's kind of changing that, um, the, like what, like menswear at Calvin Klein. And he has like really kind of cool casting ideas. Um, but I guess I, I, if I would, 
if I were to say like who would be my dream kind of wardrobe, I would definitely say um, Sarah Burton at McQueen. <laughs> nice. And Fashion Week's what, next week? Yeah, it starts Friday. Okay. Well, that's exciting. So we'll have to follow you on Instagram so we yeah. can like- Oh, I, you know who I also love? Because I feel like she just like designs for women and it's fun and like is Ula Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. I, I love that you there's so, you love so many that it's hard to narrow it down, which of course <laughs> that's appropriate. You know, because like sometimes for me, like I feel like wearing a skirt and then other days I just feel like wearing like jeans and a jacket, you know, but like she looks amazing and chic and everything. Like I, I, I see you in the pictures and like, and like, even from like 25 years ago, always, I had like, gotten dressed together. up for you guys. I was wearing this like pink silk shirt and then I took it off cause I got cold and I was walking around and the art week is start art week is starting here in Mexico. Um, tomorrow it's kind of like the, like the Basel of Mexico. So there's oh, cool. a lot going on. I mean, you know, it's obviously on a much smaller scale and like, you know, with, all the precautions, but I feel like we see like thing. I th- feel like with things coming back, like little by little, um, people will want to get dressed up again. I know yeah. that's nice. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to move into our wrap session. We're just going to ask you some quick questions. Um, okay. so the first one is what is your favorite wellness or beauty hack? Wellness or beauty hack, like shortcut or tip, or what's your kind of favorite Oh, oh my God. I have a good one. So um, my sister worked for Carolina Herrera and, you know, she looks amazing and is, I don't know how old she is, but she's, um, you know, kind of looks gorgeous, like timeless. Yeah. Yeah. She always said, um, told my sister to never, which I do a lot, but I need to, every time I do it, I remember her. Um, She always said never to dry your face with a towel, you know, like you grab your, like, she always says it's like gentle pats like Mm. for everything. Um, so now I apply it like always like moisturizer. And like, when I, you know, have like these rituals, like, I feel like I always remember that the non-towel just to be a little more gentle. Mm. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. All right. This next one, we call your five minute flow. You just got out of the shower and Uber pinged you and they're five minutes away. What are you doing to like get out the door and get in that car on time? Ooh, I do this a lot. So um, <laughs> I was just going to say, I, like, yeah, your art, art uh, I, thing. So you, get, you guys can relate, but I remember a friend of mine used to get so mad when she used to see people putting makeup on in the subway. She's like, you have those that minute at home for God's sakes, just use it. Um, but usually I kind of know, I guess I'm always rushing as I was saying about the yoga class, like I'll like do an hour and 15 minutes and like rush home to be ready by nine. So when I have like five minutes, I would say, I think about what I'm going to wear in the shower. When I get out, I obviously am like huge on moisturizing. I use like a great Sisley um, moisturizing cream um, SPF, no matter where you live, this is like one thing that my, um, dermatologist and Dr. Tim, um, Goluk from Royal Fern told me is like, you cannot leave home without it, whether it's like two degrees or 102. Um, so that, and then I love this kind of Chanel liquid, um, uh, what do you call foundation I've been putting on, mm. uh, that I put like, it's like very loose and like feels like also moisturizing and then always concealer and always lipstick, even though mm. the kind of face mask thing is annoying. But if like, I have to like 
be ready quick. Those are like what, what I try and do the most. Those are your go-tos. Yeah, I like that. Nice. Good we luck. need to get yeah. like, we have to have your favorite products, the names, and because people are going to want to know like, oh, what yes, exactly yes, yes. you're I'll using. Send them. Yeah, 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 we yeah. love it. We'd love it. Okay. And um, you kind of touched on this before, but how do you maintain your daily nirvana? Um, I like need to work out in the morning. I I feel like that's something that I don't know if it was Tucson that did this to me, but like everyone always worked out and was like in super shape. But like, to me, I like love getting up. And like, the first thing I do is have coffee. Um, even though I just did that chroma cleanse and they were like, avoid coffee if possible. I'm like, the if possible is <laughs> right. Um, so that's like my kind of ritual in the morning. Like no matter if I have like 15 minutes or 45 is just to have like a quick Nespresso. And yeah. then I get up and I go run or do like Tracy Anderson videos, um, online okay, you like that. or yoga. Yeah. And then I kind of help my girls get ready and we rush out of the house and that's, that's how I, you know, I, I love walking too. I just feel like yeah. that brings me like such peace, like, especially during COVID when people were like, you know, locked in their homes, I would always go for a walk. Yeah. Yeah. The Tracy Anderson method is it's good. It's, it's, it's intense. Like, yeah. Right. I, I mean, like that it's, I love that the, the streaming, I feel like all of those like classes that like adjusted to like have the streaming moment. Yep. Done so well. Yeah. So, yeah. Huge. Agreed. Um, okay. So Katie, um, so Carla, at the end of our show, we usually do, um, a product review or like something that we're loving right now that we want to tell listeners about. So Katie has something for us and I don't know what it is either. So I'm excited to hear what you have to review for us today. I like do. A, like a skincare product or anything, anything, it's, like it's, it's anything usually yeah. related to like skincare, beauty, well-being, wellness. Like that. Well, yeah. I, I, I was just saying, I, I just did this, um, you know, I feel like, you know, after Christmas, we're all kind of feeling, like we need to reset. Like we go to our place at the beach and I don't know how to go to the beach without eating like chips and salsa every single day. <laughs> uh, so I come back feeling not very healthy, but I just did the chroma cleanse. It's like a five day, um, cleanse. Have you heard of it? It's I haven't. I no, like, tell us. Did K- I see this online? Is it like really like pretty looking? Is it like a it's circle? beautiful yeah. it comes like in this, but it's really great. Cause I feel like it's not even like weight loss. It's just kind of to get your mind back to like eating like a normal person, not, you know, or at least for me, what so is it's it? very yeah, well it's balanced. Funny. And like they send you it's five days and you have like soups and kind of like pro like veggies, but like they give you like a matcha latte in the morning and then like a, like a shake, a super greens elixir. So it kind of helps you get like all your vitamins. And when you finish, like you, you don't even crave anything bad. Like you just want to have like, I don't know, like you want to keep eating like veggies and fruit. So and it's like a body know, reset kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It felt really, it felt really nice and not in that, like you're starving yourself. Kind yeah. Of diet. You know, it just to, like yeah, I have to check diet. that out reset. Yeah. Okay, it that's sounds good, good to know. Yeah. That is, I'll have to check it out too. The name, what was the name of it again? Chroma. Chroma. C-H-C-H-R-O-M-A. Okay. Nice. All right. Well, I have one too, and it's, I'll just do it really quickly because, um, it's not a beauty product or anything super exciting, but I've been trying to work on my sleep hygiene and trying to like fall asleep easier. That's my thing. I can't fall asleep. I can, once I'm out, I'm out, but getting oh, really? there is tough. So this one is it's by natural and it's 
relax plus night calm. They have malt, sorry, like part of the sticker came off, but they have multiple products for all different things for, um, for like for sleep and for joint health and brain health, and then for mood and stress. And this is actually for mood and stress, not so much for sleep, but I take Mm. it to help me wind down and get the wheels to stop turning to lull into a nice sleep. And it works. It legitimately works. It has, and I'm like, I'm not the easiest person to to put to sleep. So I know it's good. It has um, L-theanine, 5-HTP and a small amount of melatonin, which I like that it's a little because melatonin on its own does give me a hangover. I'm like groggy yeah, the next too. day. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It makes me like foggy. Me the too. Next day. I can't take it. Yeah. And then it also has a little bit of lemon balm extract. And, uh, you know, I, I, I got it at CVS. It's like $22. Is it, a, is it a pill or like a gummy? It's a gummy and it's a pretty clean gummy. It's, it's an organic tapioca sugar or organic cane sugar, pectin, citric acid, vegetable juice, coconut oil. Like there's no sugar alcohols and garbage yeah. in it. Okay. Um, and it does taste really like good, that. but, uh, but yeah, it's hundred percent drug free, non-habit forming for like, I want to say maybe two weeks. And yeah. you find it helpful. That's great. I found it very helpful. I've been playing, like I've been trying different things here and there. I tried a different one last night and it was, I ended up like also taking this. <laughs> so it's, it works. Yeah. All right. I love it. Well, Good reviews. Thanks for Chroma and for what is that called again, Katie? Your your it is supplement? Natural Relax Plus Night Calm. Okay. Well, we'll post all this yeah. in the show notes, but yeah, that's awesome. So Carla, thank you so much for like sharing all your wisdom and for spending time with us. It was so amazing to hear about all your experience and how far you've come. And um, I always love your voice. It's so like distinct mm-hmm. and it's so great to see you and to hear you. And it, we definitely have to meet up next time we're in the same I area. But thank you for being on the show. We always like to end with a mantra to just kind of set our intention to close out the show. So Katie, what do you have for us? All right. So this one is um, just something to remember. And it is a quote I should add by Eleanor Roosevelt. It is happiness is not a goal. It is a byproduct of a life well lived. So I feel like, you know, like you were speaking to working hard, you know, that'll bring you a life well lived happiness. Thank you guys so much. I hope to see you in person. Thanks for listening to Nirvana Sisters. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes. Please subscribe and leave us a review. Also, find us on Instagram at Nirvana Sisters. If you loved what you just listened to or know someone that would, please share it and tag us. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of Nirvana Sisters. We'll continue to watch out for all things wellness so you don't have to. Bye. Bye.